Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Be There in Five podcast. I'm Kate Kennedy, your host. It is Thursday morning. I stayed up way too late because I am quite wrapped up in this Naya Rivera situation. We still don't have answers. I just, guys, it's, it's so, it's spooky and weird and it's an unusual story. And like, I just, you think of scenarios with like lakes and boats and you assume like with the life vest or whatever, like you could figure it out. But then like when people disappear, it's terrifying and her poor son being by himself. And it's just, it's such, it's such a bizarre situation all around. And I'm so interested to see how it nets out. And anyways, I just didn't mean to get into that immediately, but that is what's on my, my, on my mind. And I'm sure is on yours too it's yeah it's it's very sad and um the story now she's presumed dead not confirmed uh they couldn't search last night after a certain time long story short they just they somebody saw naya rivera who had played santana on glee um they saw that there was a boat with a kid sleeping on it but no adult and the kid was her son who was asleep who told the police and what they labeled as a challenging interview uh i think at one point he said they both were got off the boat and only he only got back on and his mom didn't and then at one point it was that like she got off the boat left him on and never came back it doesn't really make sense either way um also i don't i don't gather it's super common to go out on a pontoon boat by yourself with a toddler. So basically, like, yeah, Naya Rivera rented a pontoon boat with her four-year-old and either went swimming with him or without him and never came back, and no one can find her. It's terrible. Um, my sister sent me a, an article where it showed, like, that she had, her, like, parking job was, like, a little haphazard, which I think people think is interesting. Um I also think it's interesting she dated Mark Selling for three years, the disgraced late uh, other star of Glee, as we know with the show. I mean, like, Corey Monteith and Mark Selling both died, um, I think, before the age of 35. Nia's 33. Remember, even, like, it was so sad. Like, I know he wasn't on the show, but Becca Tobin's boyfriend, like, had a heart attack at, like, 29 or something. And, like, case closed. Nothing ever came out of it. It just, I think, it was a freak accident. Um, it is sad when these like things, not that there's like patterns or curses, like that's not real realistic. It's just in terms of like, it is weird when a specific group is experiencing a pattern of something devastating. Right. And um, my gosh, I don't know. Anyway, so I guess we'll see what happens. There's like a lot of weird blind items about Mark Selling, too. I mean, obviously, like he's what he did is disgusting. And I think he. Do you guys know who I'm talking about? Puck from Glee. He had like 50,000 like photos of child porn on like a, a USB. I mean, disgusting. Um, and like, I, I don't remember what Naya Rivera said about it. Actually, I think she was just like, it doesn't surprise me, which I thought was a weird thing to say in response to something that's serious. Right. I feel like it should. I don't know, guys. It's all so confusing and not relevant right now. And I'm not trying to trivialize any of this. I just am rambling because, um, yeah, I don't think there's been something this, uh, consistently there's been this awful of a consistently tragic through line since like the power rangers do you guys remember that basically like the red rangers a murderer he killed like a guy one year and then a couple another year he's on death row he was like a recurring extra the red ranger killed a guy with a samurai sword um the trini the yellow power ranger she died at a car accident age 27 the blue ranger had to quit after four seasons because he was bullied so badly um for being gay and they tried to make him undergo conversion therapy and he had a nervous breakdown 
like the professor and the voiceover actor and um, the like a villain named Rita, this guy who played a lawyer named Edward Albert, like it's like brain aneurysm, pancreatic cancer, um, like lung problems, unknown death. Like it's it's one after the next of all of these like random illnesses, like within a pretty specific period of time. And the Green Ranger, the the brother of the Green Ranger and the White Ranger, who played a, a, a like substantial role called David, he died between at when he was twenty nine years old. The guy who played that like floating face in the tube, um, Zordon, he had an aneurysm at forty three. The like the entire show, literally everybody um, on it has had some sort of horrible random tragedy. The um, this guy that played master lee he died in his sleep in 2012 maurice mendoza nobody knows what happened to him but he played trini the yellow rangers love interest he was died at 39 um alissa uh smigo played shauna in this i don't know i guess one season she died when she was 38 like i don't remember these people specifically but it's not every day of two like murderers in the cast and I think stuff like this blows my mind because I put in the context of a show, like an ensemble cast I love or I'm like dedicated to. And you think of like, you know, if, if it's like, say you love Parks and Rec and you it was like you were hearing like Shauna Mulway tweep and purred ha- purr happily and uh, the douche and uh, the, the orthodontist jam and, you know, Tinnifer and uh, Joan Calamezzo, you know, like all the it's like when you're a fan of the thing, you're like, wait, that that is crazy that, that something would happen to all of them. Anyway, not the point of the show. Sorry to start on such a dark note, but also I've been watching a lot of Unsolved Mysteries. Um, I'm going to give you my hot takes on Unsolved Mysteries. <laughs> I'll, I'll do that toward the end of the episode because I, I want to dive into more important things, more positive things. I also do want to talk a little bit about the TikTok drama. I um, There's a few, you know, things going on in broader pop culture I still want to get to, but we will tackle that after this interview because i know you guys are so excited for it because i had the honor and the pleasure and the joy of getting to speak with garcelle bouvet who yes is on the real house of beverly hills but has a very impressive lengthy career as an actress as a host as a model as uh you know now a reality star as an author she's done so many things and she was so lovely and I was so nervous and you could kind of tell I'm not like a bit, you know, I, I usually have people on for specific reasons, but like I wasn't going to pass up this opportunity. I think she's incredible. wanted to get to know her better. But then like I do find a, a little I'm a little out of my league when I'm talking to people that are like professionals in the business, you know, and like understand she she's she's done so much in her career and there's so many things to talk to her about. She didn't want to talk about housewives too much which is totally fine, but I found that out right before. And, um, you know, I just, I, I, I wanted to get a little bit, like, squeeze some more, you know, juice from the situation because I know she's friends with Denise. I, you know, understandably, she's going to be respectful and polished and it's just like a class act. But, you know, if, if I'm not ever, if at any point I'm not prying and you're like, why aren't you asking follow-up questions? I'm just trying to be respectful, you know? And I want to honor her very established career outside of Housewives. So I think it's a breezy, fun conversation. Got to know her better. Asked her, you know, did a lot of stalking. Asked her about the things I dug up on the internet, like Star Search, you know. It was truly lovely. And uh, I do want to talk a little bit about Housewives, too, because uh, that, you know, Hopefully you'll be interested in this interview, regardless of Housewives, because she's such an interesting story. But it is kind of funny this season. Like, I don't even know what to think about it. I think Garcelle's a breath of fresh. Like, I think she's bringing 
new life and confidence and style and like personality to the situation. I wish she was at more of the functions, but I know she was like moving and busy. Um, but yeah, like Teddy's kind of down for the count and I'm still annoyed with her for just being like, I don't care if you come. It's like, just, oh my God, just do you want people there or not? <laughs> um, you know, Rin is always entertaining, but we know she's self-produced. Kyle, I just almost feel like is getting into mean girl territory and her veneers are so incredible and her splits are ever present. Yet I do feel like her personality splits at times too in ways that I don't enjoy as much as when she's helicoptering her ponytail, you know, atop some lounge bar. I, um, you know, I, I love Dorit too, but you know, it's just like, do we have to have scenes of, of people fawning, uh, uh, you know, sitting around you while you plan out like your closet, like go to the container store, get some alpha shelves. I, I, I think it's so funny when people have these planners around them who are just like, um, almost, uh, egging on and laughing and contributing to like, oh, you're so fabulous. Obviously you need X, Y, Z. And she was like freaking out because, uh, she had like 226 pairs of shoes and she, only a space for 226 but she has 229 so she has to get rid of a few which is tough um but you know i think she'll make it through because her statement her you know tagline is i refuse to settle for less than everything but it's like well hypocrite much you had to settle you had to go from 229 pairs of shoes to 226 i yeah I, I can't even stand i can't even handle it and i think the thing too like and I'm sorry if you don't have context for The Real Housewives. I assume if you're listening to this, you're caught up. If you're not familiar, skip ahead a few and go to Garcelle. And then afterwards, we'll talk about The Hype House and Unsolved Mysteries. Um, but I think what's so interesting about reality television is that so often these conversations are dragged out, not because they're unsolvable, but because both sides are technically right, but problems can't be realistically solved on reality television. And even though Aaron is like aggressive in mansplaining and rude and disrespectful, and I'm so annoyed he interjected himself, period, because this is a show about women. It's about the women solving their issues when the husbands get involved and demand they drop things or behave a certain way. It's not a it's not about you. B, it's about dynamic women solving problems. And if you think it's like catty or unproductive or whatever, you can like just leave, like don't film. I don't know if they have to, but like just the way he even like crushed her hand bothered me. I just feel like I saw this aggressive different side of him and I'm just like. I don't know. I, I, I felt like he definitely crossed a line and you could tell Denise had like a little bit of like a loss of power in that situation. She was like, do not talk. And it was kind of a weird fourth wall moment that they kept in that I think she and her experience with like filming as an actress has a bit more control of what goes in something and is struggling. Um, but what I was saying is like, well, I do get the, what the women are, say are saying in terms of like you were really open season one. You know, you've been in a threesome a on, you know, on TV. Your husband is Charlie Sheen, the tiger blood of it all. Like there's public stuff out there that your kids have access to just from being like people with friends that probably talk and having the Internet. You were fine. Season one, season two, you're being like Pollyanna. What gives? I get their frustration with that because it's like a lot less fun. And then they're acting like they're bad parents when they put it all out there. And yes, you can judge people who put it all out there as being bad parents to a degree because of what it objectively looks like. But actually, they're just playing the game because they get reality TV. Because you can't, that's the thing is you start to look bad when you try to shield certain parts of your life. You're better off just like airing it because you get into trouble when you're trying to carefully sidestep certain issues, protect certain people, whatever. And I just think that <clears throat> unless you can put it all out there, it's probably not even worth it 
to do, and something must have materially changed from season one to season two, something she's not saying, someone she's trying to protect, you know? Like, usually when there's frustratingly present conflict that just is like, oh, my God, get over it, it's because it's the argument's not about what it's about, you know? Um, and, like, even her downplaying the threesome thing, like, when she's not with the girls, like, I don't really get why she's... Anyways, she has every right to want her kids to not have access to certain inappropriate things, but also... You know, I, I don't love that it's what you signed up for thing, but like, t- come on. I mean, <laughs> this is so mild compared to so much of what she's been through. And she was fine with it last season. So I don't know. But here's what I was saying is. In real life, Eric's, you know, his, his tone and delivery and all that's wrong. But what his message isn't necessarily wrong. It's like, well, can't can we just please drop it? Like, I don't want to talk about our kids anymore. Da-da-da, it's not good for our marriage. Like, why are we still talking about this? Just drop it. Yeah, that's rational and that makes sense. But also it's not wrong of, you know, the rest of the cast to like want to wait till Denise comes to have the conversation to want to solve it out, to to work it out on camera because they're doing a job and they understand that job requires that you start and complete a story arc and they're, they're professionals. They get it. So where Eric, sorry, did I call it, do I keep calling him Eric? I think it's Aaron, Um, where he looks like, uh he's like am i crazy like why are we still talking about this just drop it he's not getting that their their job is to literally not drop it their the job of a housewife is to take an issue that has virtually no impact on anybody's life or the world to blow it way out of proportion and to play an 18 episode long game of hot potato and never drop it and sometimes it's in somebody else's hands. It just gets hotter. The blisters get worse. And then you're not even sure what you're holding anymore because you're desensitized. You just know that you're pissed because you got burned. And it's beautiful and it's perfect. And this is art. And I just wish he wouldn't impede on that. <laughs> but I think that's the thing is you just, I, I think that people that aren't right for the show, that don't get the point, that don't see the value in the husbands not speaking up and the women figuring stuff out that don't understand that a part of the show is like the tediousness of working through stuff. You just don't, you shouldn't be on the show. You know, at that point, it's just not entertaining for us or anybody involved. What is entertaining is watching Dorit franchise a book about Poe. Um, <laughs> watch out Villa Blanca, Villa Buca is in town. Did you know that's like the, I was looking at Buca de Beppo on Wiki, Wikipedia because I was like, thinking i was like do i misunderstand this is this like a magiano's vibe or like where are we olive garden it means joe's basement and they modeled it not after an actual italian restaurant but modeled it after italian american restaurants in the northeast with the intention of it lacking taste in a tasteful manner like that's literally on the wikipedia page (laughs) just red checker tablecloths Pricey garlic bread, huge family style servings. I- I'm all for it. And as Lucy pointed out, the invite of Sutton's, you know, Sutton established 1971. I didn't know we could put our birth years on our business names because I'm pretty sure the suggestion there is like not when you were born, but like when the business was open. I think her business was open this year, but whatever. Um, she she modeled her invitations after the gorgeous Capri setting that will be Dorit's Buca de Beppo and Encino. Is it a weird venture? Sure. Especially for somebody who once served, you know, a rice dish on $18,000 Hermes plates. Absolutely. Did I love the story about her having an Italian lover? You bet. I love hearing her speaking different languages. I love her looks. I love her accent. I'm a a Dorit stan. 
you know, do I love the charade of the money in the closet of it all? No, I, I, I'm even triggered when on House Hunters, guys are like, where's the man cave? And the dude says to the woman or the woman's like, oh, my God, closet space. It's all I care about. I don't you could have a choppy floor plan, wall to wall carpeting, you know, a white fridge and, you know, a putrid wallpaper border that won't come off with the jaws of life. But if I don't have room for my shoes and my sweaters, I'm going to put them in the oven. And it's just like, shut up. <laughs> Can we not do that? <laughs> I just like I don't like tropes that feed into like women being obsessed with like clothes and shoes and closets and jewelry. And like, e even though we like I am, I love that stuff. But I just I think sh TV reality shows has <laughs> made it so much worse. Um but anyway, what else? I loved Sammy driving and driving a giant F-150 on a busy road, not a parking lot. God, no. Nope, just trial by fire. But she didn't know the difference between the gas and the brake. But the best part was she called one a hamburger and one a hot dog, <laughs> which is what your elementary school teacher says to you every day when you're doing some weird craft project and they tell you to first fold it like a hamburger or a hot dog. And I've spent my entire life feeling incredibly frustrated that the hamburger is not a hamburger at all. It is more of a taco at best. Not only is it a square shape, which I know that doesn't really track the bun either. It has a longer edge than a shorter edge. And if to be even be close to a bun or a patty, it would need to at least have, you know, even dimensions. But it doesn't. It's, it's, it's insanity. And, and educators of America, I implore you to reconsider what you're asking people to fold. I would I would formally transition to taco or quesadilla. I just think it's more realistic. And I don't blame Sammy for being utterly confused with the battles. <laughs> um, but, you know, the hot dog one is, uh, I guess technically in this, is this, in this case, the hot dog would be the brakes. I don't know. It honestly kind of works because twice a year, Rena pumps the brakes, sits down and enjoys a hot dog, apparently. <laughs> twice a year. Her and Erica both. <laughs> oh, gosh. I love Erica, too. Uh, as always, I'm, I, I am devastated for her, for everybody on Broadway, everybody whose job is impeded that it does anything in front of a crowd ever. Performers in general, like you live off of the crowd, the interaction. It's just like, it, 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 I just started doing these things and it's torture for me not having rescheduled dates. I just, you know, to follow a dream like that of Chicago, bless her heart. Anyway, I um, also think that uh the scene with like the stripper pole was funny that I just thought that was going to come crashing down any second. And Kyle's sweaty party planner was nowhere to be found. Bless his heart. Um, he, he hasn't been around in a while, actually. Do you remember him? He's kind of like intense, but he's really entertaining. I didn't watch the part with Kim's boobs because I did the breast cancer convo. It's kind of like dark to me. I didn't watch them get there. Like, uh, um, they, they were getting like zapped with some cryo machine that, that, that doesn't interest me. It's such stupid product placement. Um, so I didn't really watch that piece, but I did enjoy watching Rinna run in the grass and be like, they're going, talking about Denise and Aaron, they're going to get a steak and to go to a strip joint. And I still am not clear if that is two separate destinations or one. Now that I am saying that, it would make a hell of a lot of sense if the strip club steakhouse combo was indeed called something like New York Strip. But I also, I don't know if, you know, if I was exotic dancing if i'd really want people to be consuming like red meats in front of me whilst they watch you know with like steak knives it just seems like a lot i don't know so maybe it wasn't a combo joint regardless it is kind of a funny thing to go and do especially if, when you're trying to like pull off your um you know anna of green gables purity vibe but i mean whatever floats your boat whatever grinds your pole 
I have never done one of those like blurdy girl fitness pull classes. I have no upper body strength. I can't do a pull up in the physical fitness exam. I had to do a flexed arm hang, arm hang instead of pull ups, which is really embarrassing. So I don't think I'm the best candidate for uh, impromptu family barbecue, backyard TP stripper pole situation. But there is always New York Strip, I guess. Sutton is stiff. I mean, you know, I don't know. Established 1971. I she she, she reminds me of like. Like working at a country club in high school and college, these women that were just straight up allergic to fun and gluten, allegedly, um, you know, wear Lily, never haven't changed their hairstyle in years, are so obsessed with uh, manners, politeness and etiquette that they don't realize the irony of the type of the brand of etiquette that they subscribe to is actually designed to make others feel inferior and uncomfortable when the entire, you know, the spirit of, of of manners and politeness is to make people around you comfortable and to prioritize their kindness, you know, your kindness and their well-being. And I just find so many aspects of the Emily Post vibe type of woman that Sutton seems to be like kind of the stickler that is so hung up on how to properly act. She doesn't realize that the way she acts is so incredibly off-putting and improper because she is not a human to be more concerned with arbitrary social graces than actually making and prioritizing, you know, people's comfort and being like, it's crazy to me that you would like be, try to be a good host or be hospitable or any of these virtues you allegedly possess. And you would do so by insisting that people operate by this like arbitrary code that if they don't, like they're dead to you. You know, it's like, I don't know, a lot of these, I don't know, she just does not seem like a good time. And I I feel like she's the type of judgy that like just isn't even like fun. You can't like give her a hard time. She's not in on the joke, you know, it's it's uh, watching her watch people strip was awkward and watching her do a lot of things is awkward. And I just don't think she's a very strong housewife. And, you know, I'm sure she's a good time, but I just I don't know. I'm not getting the the vibes I need to from her to want her around another season. And there's really never been anybody like her in terms of somebody that it's like usually a first season housewife's insufferable because they're not confident or they're too thirsty or they're trying too hard. Usually a first season housewife isn't like too good for it, you know, like way too cool for school. I mean, you know, it's kind of ridiculous. Like even Eileen Davidson was a accomplished, you know, unbelievably successful soap opera career. No, she 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 didn't sit back. She didn't cower. She threw on her nearest denim full pant bell bottom jumpsuit put some really chunky lowlights in her hair and she showed the f up uh, like this soap opera queen she is and i think she comes back next week i don't care about brandy glanville coming back i'm not excited she's i, I don't like obvious like clinical like, like they come there ready to like shitster they like diagnose the situation and know exactly what the outcome's going to be and i just am like it's inauthentic and stupid to me, but hey, I'm inter- I'm, I'm here for the tea, I guess. I did not mean to talk about this this long. Um, I'm trying to think of what else uh, Garcelle and I talk about. That'll be good context. I'm just like still not over that Big Pharma waits outside of Eric's house and I'm fan. I just need to follow up on that. If anybody knows more, please reach out. He like can cure cancer and people are mad and following him. And she like is, t- I mean, it's spooky. It's crazy. Also, I was so mad. Like Teddy's pregnant and son's like, I need to teach her how to dress. It's like. You need to teach yourself how to treat other people with kindness and respect and to, like, live a little. I don't care about your manners. I don't care about your etiquette. Y- you need to Emily Postmates yourself some human decency 
because you're insulting how a, v- a very pregnant woman looks in a dress that she looks beautiful and perfect in. Like, to insult the way a pregnant, like, ugh, it's, it's disgusting. I just cannot stand people that think they're these, like, upstanding citizens. These, like, polite people that are actually so incredibly rude and damaging to those around them through their harsh judgments. And clearly I'm triggered because <clears throat> something reminds me of these the country club women. <laughs> well, what are you going to do? But regardless, Garcelle is, like, she's so good on the show. And um, she's so confident. And, like, she just owns it. and. Like, she just isn't, you know, she's not meek. She's not trying too hard. She's not too cool. She's, like, in it. She's fun. She's, like, stern and confident when she needs to be. But she's just, like, breezy and gets along well with the women and, like, has fun with it, too, and doesn't take it too seriously. And I just think she's such a strong character, and I love talking to her. Um, And I think at one point she does... I don't know if the fourth wall thing has happened yet with Denise, but... I do think that Garcelle mentions that later just in terms of like she didn't she's an actress like she didn't realize I don't think that um, uh, like if you say don't air this you say cut you say uh, you know what I mean like, like they still can and usually when you're on a movie and you take have several takes and you have the crew on your side you know like I just don't think she understood that like everything's fair game so I'm so interested to see how the rest of this season pans out but who knows as I told Garcelle, the key is you got a Liz Lemon it in 30 Rock when Liz Lemon wanted to get something across and not have it air on the f- fake show in show Queen of Jordan. She would just say it to the tune of a song whose rights the show couldn't afford, which is pretty brilliant now that you think about it, you know, like if um, I, like, why can't I think, think of a song? Didn't I don't know if it was Amy Poehler in Parks and Rec or Tina Fey that did it. We didn't start the fire. So if you went like. Aaron's rude. I'm annoyed. This is not Real Houseboys. Rena's nosy. Sutton's posy. Kyle has nice veneers. But her personality and legs could do the splits for days. Screw the stripper pole. It's over there. I want strippers medium rare. And if Ballas fails, we can go to Buca de Beppo. We like strippers for hire. You know, then they couldn't air it. It's honestly kind of brilliant. (laughs) Okay, I hope you enjoy this episode with the unmatched Garcelle Bouvet. And I will be putting a lot of the video clips of this interview on Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash be there in five, which is also where the Hamilton deep dive is. Um, I have parts one and two of act two. And I'm going to do a third installment with like my broader conclusions. Cause I, again, I hate, I avoided doing act two for so long. Cause it's so sad. It takes me to a dark place that, I need to like take breaks from. So I, I did what Eliza asked me to do. I took a break before I got to who lives, who dies, who tells your story and the like, and I'll do, you know, a recap type of thing and also post videos of this. I'm also planning on talking about the hype house and I'm also dying to read some of what this, the, this work of art I just found in my bookshelf, which is a signed copy of um, one Emily Schumann's book, cupcakes and cashmere from 2012. That is a treasure trove of arm parties of like watches on watches on bracelets on bracelets of of bar carts of overpriced candles of blanket scarves of you know knee high boots of a French tuck. I mean, it's so good, and I can't wait to tell you more. Uh, so yeah, uh, make sure to sign up for Patreon. That just just helps to um, support me and the podcast, and it makes a huge difference. And I'll see you at the PowerPoint party on Sunday. I also. 
Um, if you like this episode, please, please share it. I would love that so much on Instagram. If you're private, send it to me. It makes a huge difference. Uh, and I get so excited when I see people share these episodes. Okay, so before we get to Garcelle, we're just going to do... Oh, thank our sponsor, which you guys are familiar with at this point. I'm so lucky to have partnered with them starting at the beginning of COVID because it's something I feel very passionately about in terms of giving people the tools and resources they need to succeed and at an affordable price. And when I say succeed, I mean as a creative outlet, as a side hustle, whether you monetize your art, you learn business fundamentals, or you are just watercoloring. I am talking about Skillshare. They've got so many different tools. And if you're not familiar... Skillshare is an online learning community where millions come together to take the next step in their creative journey. There's thousands of classes for for creative people, for curious people. There's um, so, so many opportunities there to kind of hone in on your craft. It, it's, it's kind of like going to classes and going to, um, you know, getting to take courses that you fit into your schedule whenever you see fit and you're not in some sort of rigid schedule that makes you resent it or not have time for it. And um, most classes are like under 60 minutes. Like this podcast is more of a time commitment. By the time you listen to this nonsense, you could have, you know, learned a new skill. I'm actually going to take a class that's about making merch and making and designing merch because I need to figure out that part of my life. And if you want a pop socket, I want to be able to provide you a pop socket. Um, And also uh, kind of class helping with creative breakthroughs about how to like power your creativity, confidence, and career. I'm just feeling, you know, having a little bit of writer's block these days, but who isn't? But fortunately, we have a solution. Um, But anyway, an annual subscription is less than $10 a month. And if you want to explore your creativity and get two free months of premium membership, go to Skillshare.com slash be there in five. That is two whole months of unlimited access to thousands of classes for free. And you can get started by joining today and heading to skillshare.com slash be there in five that's two free months of unlimited unlimited access to thousands of classes at skillshare.com slash be there in five truly this is such a great resource please don't pay a coach that is just trying to get you in a click funneled webinar of nonsense for a very high amount of money because trust me when i say if it's what some people teach legit classes but a lot of people also go the course route because doing the actual business that they're telling you they're an expert about isn't working well enough or giving them enough margin for them to do that full time. So then they go the coaching route because they understand the logistics of how to run it, but they themselves have not run the successful business that they are telling you how to do. And that's a problem. You know, not outside of the ad, just saying you can self-teach so much. And I just always want to encourage people to, you know, not invest too much money up front in like one person, one guru, one thing. You know what I mean? Anyways, okay, we'll move on. I feel like I'm just such an awkward interviewer. This is not like, this is when it becomes clear that this is not like my profession and like people like went to school for this or at least are trained, you know, I just like talk, but to interview is an art and one that I do not have, but doesn't mean I didn't have fun and enjoy every step of the way. And she's such a good sport to come on um, my show. So this is probably like three minutes into our conversation. I'm just kind of trimming the uh, electronics and uh, logistical discussions from the recording because we were uh, like zooming or whatever but also I realized like she's on a press round and didn't know who I was um so I like I start by introducing myself which sounds weird out of context but it wasn't in the whatever you guys get it um okay enjoy hi I'm I'm Kate by the way it's like I know you but (laughs) I need to introduce myself yeah I'm Kate. Kate I um I'm an entrepreneur and author and podcast host. It's I largely pop that. culture based. And um, 
you yourself are a, a woman of, of many talents. I'll introduce you first so we can get started because you have uh, an, about an hour, right? Yeah. Perfect. Um, no, I'm, I'm so excited to have you on. I, I, I'm not only a, a fan of the Real Housewives franchise in general, Beverly Hills specifically, um, but also to have you on is a special treat because you're a person whose career I knew and followed Aww. just in terms of playing fancy on Jamie Foxx and being guesting on every 90s show I ever loved. Um, was it Hollywood Today Live? Yeah, Hollywood. Many years? Yes, I did for a year and a half with Ross Matthews. We had the best time. Yes, I loved that show. And then I saw you recently on Spider-Man and like, I don't know, beyond your acting career, you're a former model. You're a mom to three boys, an author, uh, most importantly, a philanthropist. And you have a new podcast that we'll talk about all around a woman of many talents. Please welcome Garcelle Bouvet to the podcast. Hi, Kate. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. No, thank you for joining. So are you in L.A. right now? I am in LA. I am uh, trying to stay home more now than ever because our numbers are going up in terms of COVID and all that. My kids are with their dad and I just took two Benadryls earlier because I'm having an allergic reaction. So I'm going to try to keep my energy up. <laughs> I'm a little woozy. Don't you mind if I fall asleep. No, as a person with gnarly allergies, I understand. Okay, good. You can't, you can't always prevent it. At least it's the daytime. The worst is when you have a one at night, you have had a little wine, you're like, well, I, I promise I won't overly harp on the housewives, but I have to say, I am enjoying you so much. You? You're such a, a, a huge added, added value to the show. And I, I feel like the first season for a new housewife can be a bit clunky, can be a bit awkward, can be takes the fans. I'm getting used to, but you're, you're, comfort with the women in the environment you have this general breeziness that like i just do not see among new housewives and you're really a, an incredible addition to the cast i have to say thank you so much you know my biggest thing was there was a lot of pressure obviously being the first black woman to be on beverly hills but what i really wanted to do is stay true to who i am and that's mm -hmm. what um that was really important to me i didn't want to go in with you know other people's notions of what i should be or who i should be so um, I like the ladies. I mean, you know, <laughs> let, let's just start off nice. Um, no, I do like the ladies. We did have a lot. We had a lot of fun. And, you know, whenever you get eight strong, opinionated, modern women, there's going to be friction. And that's what this show is about. Right. So I was happy that Denise introduced me into the group and I've known Rinna forever because everybody knows her. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know Erica. I didn't know Dorit. I didn't know Teddy. But I had run into uh, Kyle over the years at, you know, celebrity, I mean, Beverly Hills events. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, and it's fun to watch the bonds kind of evolve. It's like you have your first entry point, but it was so fun watching you and Erica talk about your sons and becoming a grandma. And you both were like their outfits, like you came right out the gate strong. No, you know, love Denise. The lace shorts are a form of lore in the Housewives <laughs> fandom. <laughs> but you're like leopard cape. I'm like, yes. <laughs> that is so funny. Um, yes, Denise is very laid back and you got to love her for that because she's staying true to who she is. Um, I grew up, my mom was like, we weren't allowed to wear like pants really when I was young. It was like dresses and it's part of my culture. I'm from Haiti. So 
uh, getting dressed up is how you sort of present yourself. So my mom would put on lipstick to go get the mail because you never know who's outside is what she'd say. <laughs> so so I kind of grew <laughs> so I kind of grew up with you know loving to you know to dress up and then of course I became a model and you know that's like playing dress up every day. Um, I just love fashion. Well, I'm actually interested, if you don't mind, to hear more about the, your career and the origin of it, um, because you you moved from Haiti when you were how old? I was seven. Okay. Yeah. And then you moved to Massachusetts? When I was 16. And I, well, no, I moved to Massachusetts then. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. From Haiti to Massachusetts. I thought you were going to say Miami. Then we moved to Miami when I was about 16 and a half. My mom was sick of the cold in Boston. <laughs> She oh my gosh. Yeah. I can't imagine from yeah. Haiti to Boston. I mean, that would be such a departure. Yeah, exactly. I, I don't, I didn't get it, but we had family there. We had family okay. in Boston. So she wanted, you know, to sort of have a, a village to help take care of us all. And how'd you get started modeling? Um, I moved to, we moved to Miami when I was 16 and a half and I became friends with this guy and he said, Hey, I'm doing a, uh, a commercial. I'm, I'm going to be an extra. Do you want to be an extra? And I was like, I don't know what's an extra. And so it was an orange juice commercial and, uh, for two days and, uh, we shot that and I got the nerve by the second day to ask one of the leads of the commercial, which is really pretty black girl. And I went up to her and I said, Hey, I want to do what you're doing. How can I do that? And she was like, girl, you're on your own. She was, <laughs> she was, she was not there for me. And so <laughs> I did not expect, I was expecting, that's like a funny turn to the story. You're like, yeah, she wasn't helpful. <laughs> no, she wasn't helpful at all. <laughs> so I did some digging and found out who she was with. And one day I borrowed my mom's car and I drove to Fort Lauderdale. And as I stopped at a red light, I poked my head out the window to check my makeup and I decided I needed more lip gloss. So as I'm reaching for my lip gloss, a hand comes in the car and scares the shit out of me. And it was... <laughs> A woman who was at the stoplight behind me, right? Mm -hmm. She saw me and she said, you should be a model. And she gave me her card and it was to the modeling agency I was going to. It was the owner of the agency behind me. Like, what? So now I'm a badass walking into the agency going, you know, Irene, Irene Marie gave me her card to come in because I didn't, I wasn't prepared. I didn't have an appointment or anything. So that's how it happened. And then eight months or so later, um, Eileen Ford of the Ford Modeling Agency, you know, tours the whole country looking for girls. So she came to the agency and I was there. And next thing you know, I'm moving to New York, living with Eileen Ford and starting my modeling career. Crazy. I love those stories. I don't know if that's how models are still recruited, but I'm obsessed with like, I was at the mall right at, at a stoplight. Like, I mean, she, you were so beautiful. She saw you in a rear view mirror. <laughs> It was like her. What? what is that? What is that? So cool. <laughs> so crazy. And don't kill me, but I was going on a deep dive and like there's an element of the 80s and 90s that I love so dearly that I had no idea you were on. And that is Star Search. Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> Ed McMahon could never pronounce my name. Um, he would call he, me he said Kelly Bouvier. All kinds of stuff. I got um, that was really a big highlight because I had watched the show. And I remember Tracy, oh, I can't remember her last name, who won the first time, the first black girl. And uh, it was, you know, that was an iconic show, Ed McMahon and the whole thing. It was really kind of cool. A lot of famous people came out of that. I mean, I all, all the, all the favorite, like Justin Timberlake, Christina Aguilera, Britney Spears. Uh, I mean, all the big music, uh, Beyonce. How about um, that? 
well, she lost to like some guy playing a flute or something. I mean, the show was inaccurate at best. <laughs> Where is he now? Where is the flute <laughs> right, playing right, guy? Right. <laughs> um, but I, it was, I was enjoying watching it because it was so awesomely 80s. They just kind of had you posing to like, you know, some Bruce Springsteen brings music exactly. or something. Oh, and can I tell you, when my oldest son was in, um, was in elementary school, we got into this very shishi LA school. And I know we only got in because they wanted diversity because there was no reason why we were allowed to be in that school, right? Oh and so every Tuesday, we would make peanut butter and jelly sandwiches for the homeless. So here I am standing at the table and with other moms and we're making sandwiches and I hear someone go, can I have one of those sandwiches? He didn't know we we're doing it for the homeless. And I look up and it was Bruce Springsteen. And I was like, you're the boss. Yes, you can have a sandwich. <laughs> those are like those stories. I've that never just like, that story. I love that. It's just the, the only in LA, right? <laughs> oh, listen, only in LA. It was ridiculous. This school, like everybody who's anybody was there. And I'm like, why? You know, like one of these things does not belong. I was like, how did we get into this school? <laughs> I feel like that's the mark of humility, though. It's like if you feel a little out of place everywhere you go, at least you're, humble. you know, you're still you. <laughs> exactly. You're humble. <laughs> um, so you have a son that's 28. Is that right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then Oliver. two in twins. Yeah. Twin 12 year old. So oh, I have to tell you, your, tw your twins, I, I think they're so funny on the show. Well, a, I thought I like was Misty watching the LA Mission charity oh. event. It was so sweet when you were like, I want to make them proud. And their faces, oh. like they weren't like embarrassed, typical 12 year old. They were like proud and touched. And I just thought they were, their reaction was sweet. And then them calling you out on cursing just made me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> they're really, they're really sweet boys. And uh, yeah, that was really sweet because I didn't get to see their faces, obviously, because it was dark and I was on stage. So it was nice to watch the show and see that they weren't in Paris. That was very nice. It was sweet. Well, and I was laughing too, because um, you were like, unlike Teddy, like, I want to be clear. I want you to come to my event. I mean, who, <laughs> <laughs> who it's like, invites somebody like that? Like, you can come, but you don't really have to. I don't really care if you want to come. It's like, girl, we all have lives. If we're going to take time to come to your event, at least show you want us there. Right. And like, did we learn nothing from Lucy Applejuicy? Like, we just got to be clear. We got to be straightforward. Like, she's... not Lucy Applejuice. That's funny. <laughs> she's, uh, yeah, that this is a much better season, in my opinion. But, um, thank you. So, so when you, um, when you join, like, I know I'm sure you've heard told this a million times, but how specifically did you get involved with the housewives? Was it Denise? Well, the producers reach out to your people. Oh, okay. You know, and then the show integrates you with whoever you're friends with. Mm. Um, but yeah, they reached out to my manager and my manager was like, I just want to let you know that housewives interested, but we're going to pass. I just want to let you know. Cause I know, you know, everybody. And I was like, Whoa, wait a minute. Let me sleep on that for a moment. Yeah. Cause I just thought, you know, and then I slept on it. I talked to the boys. I talked to their dad and I thought, why not? You know, it's, I love the franchise. Um, it would be fun. And I always like trying new things which is why I've been able to yeah. write books, produce talk shows. I, I love changing it up. I'm a Sag and I get bored easy. So. Well, I think that's such an important thing is like you can pretend like uh, being a part of something will like dictate your narrative in a way it's done for other people. But at the end of the day, you're you. 
and you can make what you want of it. And if right. it's opens another door or is another opportunity, why not? And I think a lot of people have parlayed housewives into really incredible. Incredible. Things. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, for nowadays, I think we can't be boxed in. I don't think there's mm-hmm. a negative to trying new things. So that's what I'm happy about that people were receptive, you know? Absolutely. So are you, are you doing more um, directing and producing nowadays? I'm doing a lot more producing, which I love. I have a production company uh, called Bove Wilson Productions with my producing partner. And it's really fun to just have the creative and being being in charge as opposed to as an actor. I show up, I know my lines and, you know, you don't have a say on anything else. So producing has been really fun and challenging. And I'm learning so much um, of things behind the scenes that I didn't know. So did a lot of it kind of halt with quarantine? Yes, unfortunately, we're trying to figure it out. We have a movie that we wrote and uh, it got bought by Mar Vista Entertainment, but there's a lot of sex. So we're like, how are we going? We can't CGI sex. <laughs> you got it. Yeah. Plastic film over right. the person. Like, what are you going to do? I mean, a, a doll. I don't know, but we're going to have to figure it out. There's some really great sex dolls now. So maybe we'll figure that out. They are, they are lifelike. <laughs> They're a little say. scary, actually. It's scary. I know. Scary. There's a whole documentary about them, and it's like the the amount of artistry that actually goes into making them is a little confusing. It's like if I had that talent, I don't know that I'd pursue the sex doll industry. But glad somebody's doing yeah. it. <laughs> exactly. Glad it's not us. Okay. Right. That's um, funny. So I was actually so I have uh, written a children's book too, and yeah. I was excited Tell me about to see- it. Yeah, mine's a parody of social media. It's called Twinkle Twinkle Social Media Star. And it kind of oh. jokingly examines if a parent were to explain to their child the the career of being an influencer, like it's a firefighter, a lawyer, a normal job you explain. Right. But it's told in a completely joking tone. And at the end, kind of with the message of there's so much more to who you are than who you present yourself as online. And um, that's really sweet. I, it, reading about yours, it is I have been reading a lot more. I don't have kids, but if and when I do having literature about race and starting those discussions early on, I think is incredibly important. And the book, I believe the first one you wrote is called I am mixed. Is that right? Yeah, it is. I was going through my divorce at the time and uh, I went to see a therapist and she's like, I'm like, how do I move on quickly? How do I? And she was like, you have to do something that scares you. And I thought that's interesting. So I went back home and I thought, okay, what have I've always wanted to do? And it's been writing a children's book. So I uh, got in touch with my writing partner, Sebastian, and I was like, let's figure this out. Let's do it. I mean, I thought about it and then met him at a park random with my kids. He was with his kids. I was with mine. And uh, we started talking like you do most of the time when you're at the park with your children. You tend to talk to the parents that the kids are playing with. Mm -hmm. So as we were talking and I said, oh, what do you do? And he said he was uh, a publisher. And I was like, oh, my God, there are no coincidences. So we started talking and decided we were going to write together. And when the boys were really little, we would go to the library, we would go to the bookstores. And I felt like there wasn't any books that sort of spoke to diversity in a way of one seeing themselves in the book, but also being proud of their black mother and their white father. You know, I didn't want anybody to sort of put a negative connotation on them before I had a chance to talk to them about it. And funny thing enough, when they were three, I was like, so 
mommy, you know how mommy is black and daddy is white. And they kind of looked at me like deer in a headlight. And I thought they don't even, they were just their parents. Like right, they're not right. even, they haven't even figured that out in a way. And so that's how the books came about. And so I didn't want them to have to pick who they are, but they're the best of both of us. And not to name drop, but I have to. Halle Berry wrote the forward to my book. Oh, it's so, so cool. When I sent her the transcript, she's like, wow, I wish there was a book like that when I was growing up because I felt like I had to choose between parents. And so that was really validating. Yeah. And I'm sure that experience too, if you don't have those conversations before and you're getting to like testing and you're like checking a box even for, right. I mean, it's, I, I'd imagine you'd want to be a, Equipped not only to understand better who you are, but also in communicating with your peers who are probably going to ask them insensitive questions. Exactly. So that's why I sort of wanted to get ahead of it with them. I love that. And so it's as part of a series, right? Yeah, it's a three book series so far. We have I Am Mixed, I Am Living in Two Homes because the boys go back and forth. And I Am Awesome, which celebrates what makes kids awesome. Whether it's riding a bike, stopping a friend from being bullied, playing video games, just positive reinforcement. Like you're like you're ahead of the curve in terms of providing narratives that don't fit like the typical mainstream nuclear family of like, you know, it's important to have representation and it's important to represent different family structures. Yes. Absolutely. And that's not I, I at least not in a, a lot of the books I read growing up that's not something I saw. Yeah, me neither actually. No. I, I, that's so cool. I'm going to have to buy these for baby showers. So quick interruption, just want to highlight a couple of black owned businesses. I'll do a couple now, a couple later. I love going through these and reading these stories. Um, first up we have worthy and Badass, which what a name my God, it's handmade jewelry and other fun products like keychains and things for your plants. It is local to Charlotte and this listener pur- purchases from her frequently. The owner's name is Justine. You have to go to worthyandbadass.com and read the about page. It's really incredible. And she talks about her unique childhood and not many people can say they've been adopted twice um, and how passionate she is about women because she's felt the the lies that tell her she's not good enough and no one will ever love her and she didn't measure up. And like, I, I, I she talks about her identity and finding it in Jesus and talking about some of her struggles and how it inspired um, her business. And like, I just... This is what I need in an about page. Like I, 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 it helps me. I don't know. I just love when people are able to articulate their brand values through their own personal story. And when people think that those are things you compartmentalize or whatever, it's just like, no, you are your brand. Your brand is you let the essence of it be your, your, you know, what makes you unique, your, whether that's your struggles or your gifts or, and everything in between. I just, I don't know. It's such a cool business. Um, she has jewelry, she has ornaments, she has plants. She has it all. And uh, even though it's Charlotte based, you can still shop online. So go to worthyandbadass.com. And you can also follow on Insta at worthyandbadass in addition to Pinterest and Instagram. And then we have next, we have HLS Juice Bar and Grill. It's a cute, healthy food spot with great prices and the food tastes amazing. Their smoothies are delicious. The sweet potato fries are perfect. I love a sweet potato fry especially with this like a coarse sea salt. Um, they have been a go-to for Seton Hall students because they are the perfect hangover cure or good to just be healthy 24-7 too. 
Um, you can find more information at hlsjuicebarandgrill.com, especially if you live near the Seton Hall area. And it's submitted by a customer that just loves the kind employees, the music, the atmosphere, the food. They never disappoint. She wants to see them flourish. And I'm obsessed with that. I, I, I love how supportive you guys are. And I'm thirsty looking at their website and their rainbow colored smoothies. Oh, my God. To be not allergic to raw fruit. What a dream. What a life. I'm jealous of all of you. Um, but yeah, it's a leading fast casual food and beverage destination for meat eaters and vegetarians alike. They opened in 2001. Their mission is to prove that prove that foods and beverages can be delicious and fun without sacrificing new, nutrition or principles. I love it. OK, back to Garcelle and we'll do some more later. When you um, got into acting, you I mean, you how long have you been acting like since the over 20 something years? I was changing wallets the other day and I was just, you know, removing out the stuff and I saw my SAG card and I was like, oh, my God, like to think that I've been in the industry over 20 years and still working. I mean, it's if somebody had told me that then when I finally got into SAG that I would have this career, I never would have believed them at all. Well, it's pretty incredible. They've worked the whole way through. And I it's not easy to maintain a busy schedule in the industry, period. But to have oh. such high quality, I don't you know, roles on your roster, it's it's really cool. Thank you. It's really cool and a blessing. I have to say I'm a hustler. Yeah. <laughs> Just naturally. <laughs> um, but also I think a lot of it is, you know, God, I, I think a lot of it is also persevering and not giving up. And, you know, sometimes, I mean, a lot of times it's hard. It's a lot of rejection, a lot of no's, and you can't take it personally for the longest time. Like auditions were so hard for me because if you didn't get the job, you thought I was the worst and it was because of this. And, and, and now in producing and also seeing so much of the industry grow, I know that it's not about so many times the producers, the directors have someone in mind or mm -hmm. the look that they're looking for. So it's not personal, but it's a tough job. It's a tough industry. Yeah, I, that that's something that I think that people don't realize is almost like the buildup. Like, OK, you, you you audition several times. There's like an excitement of you might get it. You finally get it, but you don't know if it'll go in production. It goes right. in production. You don't know if it's going to get picked up. Right. It gets picked up for a season. It gets canceled. It's yeah. like. It's it seems so glamorous, but you never really celebrate. <laughs> no, you can't. Don't buy a house until you're in the at least second season. <laughs> right, right. No, it's true. You said it right because so many things have to work just right for it to for people to see it. Right. And I that as like a producer, I, I find, you know, you're a creative person. I am too. It's like Sometimes it's hard to work on things when you don't know if you'll ever see the outcome. You're planting seeds for a garden you might never see grow. It's That's hard so to stay true. motivated. That's so true. You just got to keep going and hope, you know? And I remember I used to always use this for sort of like my inspiration. George Clooney did like nine pilots before he got, you know, ER and became famous. And you just think about it. Just getting a pilot itself is a big deal. And then for them not, you know, moving forward... So you just got to have faith and just keep doing it. And if you love it enough, you'll stick to it. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. Do you, Have you kind of pursued different uh, avenues to, you know, change it up to keep it interesting? Like, do you ever grow tired of acting or how do you kind of prevent from feeling stale in what you're doing? I think that's the reasons why I've been, you know, doing hosting TV shows. And now I have mm -hmm. my podcast. I just like to switch it up because also there's a lot of waiting for the phone to ring. Yeah. Right? So now this day and age we can create, I mean, so many people are creating online 
that, um, you know, producing uh, the children's books, all those things were like, at times where I felt like, okay, I'm unemployed. What am I going to do next? (laughs) No, it's so true. You Mm -hmm. have to really focus on the properties you own and control, or at least have, you know, some diversity there where you invest your time. And well, speaking of the podcast, can you tell people about it? Yes. It's called going to bed with Garcelle. (laughs) Oh, do you record in bed? (laughs) <laughs> no, I don't. But I record at home, which is funny. No, in bed would be kind of weird. Like I um, pop a Benadryl. It's yeah. late. I just. <laughs> we drink while we're talking because it's a late night show kind of vibe. And it's everything sex. I mean, I have a celebrity friend and a real friend. And we just talk about what women talk about anyway. You know, I used to have parties at my house where sometimes I would invite only girls or couples or I have an eclectic group. And we'd sit around, we'd gossip, we'd drink, and eventually sex always came up. Mm-hmm. So we would talk about all kinds of things. And at the end of every time we had, I had a get together, people would say, why aren't you doing this? This is a show. This is a show. So here we are going to bed with Garcelle. That's amazing. I, I'm so envious of a more uh, the ability to have a more public, unfiltered conversation, because I do think talking right. about sex openly is something a lot of people struggle with. Yeah. And it even kind of goes back to being on housewives. It's like at a point you just develop a tolerance to being able to confidently like speak on your truth, be unfiltered and not really worry about how it's received. Yeah. I think, you know, I I don't know where I get those balls, but I know I have them. I just feel like I've always been blunt. I've always been truthful. My mom used to say to me growing up all the time, if you tell me the truth then you're not in as in trouble as you would be if I found out later. So that's kind of like how my thing is. If I tell you how I feel, then you know it and we can move on from there. Yeah. And well, and that's, I mean, (laughs) that is not the mantra of your average housewife, but. (laughs) No, it's like going to come back to bite me. (laughs) But it's like, dodge the truth, dodge the truth until the very last minute. And you're like, fine. Right. Um, Lisa Rinna, when we're at dinner, she's always like. I want everybody to be honest. I want everybody to be honest and own it and own it. And I'm like, why do we even have to say that? Why don't we just own it anyway? Why don't we like, I've never been around women where I have to say, be honest, be honest. It's like, I'm assuming everybody's honest. (laughs) So that was something that I've been like, why can't we keep saying that? (laughs) You're dead on. And this is why we need you because the, that's one of my pet peeves is when somebody's like, I'm just like, I'm going to be real with you. And I'm like, Okay, now I know you're about to tell me some bullshit. <laughs> exactly. And what were you before? <laughs> right, right. And I, well, and it's funny too, because like a- actresses come on this show and I, you know, I know you can't say much, but like, I think there's an element of Rena that's a little performative that stirs the pot that she, she, she knows how to. Ar- she's, she's great TV. She knows how of, to do it. She's an architect. Conversations and storylines. I love that. I don't that. think it's fake, but I think it's strategic and not yeah. a bad way. Um, and I think that that's probably why sometimes people don't know how actresses work on the show. Um, but I think you're a combination of not being fake. And also like, there's an element of comfortability with cameras. Honestly, I think that a lot of people don't have, I'm sure it's pretty weird at first. It is weird. And I've been saying that the first time we got mic'd up to shoot, we were at my house and I was like waiting for them to say action. (laughs) (laughs) They were like, uh, we don't do that. <laughs> right. You're like, is it okay if I wash the dishes? Like, do I just live? I, right, I wouldn't exactly. know. It was weird. So it was weird having cameras. It was weird 
you know, having cameras in my car when I'm driving. So therefore I can't listen to music. And let me tell you, when they take those cameras out of my car, I am paranoid that they've left one or two. <laughs> right. I'm like, I, don't I would trust be it. too. I don't trust it. So <laughs> then I blast my music because I know they can't, they can't, you know, buy music. <laughs> so that is such a funny fourth wall mm-hmm. thing. I never thought about um, until somebody brought it up that like, if you're if you're at a party on reality TV, there can't be background music. Right. Right. So that's a, so that kind of affects the vibe, if you ask me. Totally. So I would be driving, cameras would be in my car. And normally I'd listen to music, I'd be singing as I'm, but I'm like, so I gotta call somebody. Because <laughs> otherwise I'm just driving with no, you know, it's right, weird. Yeah, no music. So in your experience, like I'm I am so there's such a dedicated like fandom to housewives and that like the Twitter of it all, the conversation, like it would just stress me out immensely. And even though you've been famous for a long time, are you used to that level of engagement? Not at all. I don't like it at all. Actually. I wanted to stop. That's the hardest part for me. Shooting the show was fine. Um, Watching it back before the first episode aired, I had an anxiety. I was just like, Oh my God. They were running reruns on Bravo of, you know, old housewives shows and Beverly Hills, of course. And I was like, oh, my God. That's me in a week. And I started freaking out. And uh, but the whole Twitter of it all, people are so invested that it it that's the part that is hard to digest because people go in, they take sides, they they figure they re- they think like after one episode, a couple of episodes, they know who you are. And that's been mm-hmm. really hard for me. So these couple of weeks that we've been on hiatus i've been like oh exhale thank you god yeah because i was <laughs> it's not as you know it's not as on as we've been it's amazing that's the hardest part for me oh i'd imagine cuz it's it's one of those things where you're used to people commenting on if anything commenting on you playing a part or your right. ability to execute on a job but when your job is your personality and your family and your life, it is inherently personal. When people say it's not personal, they're full of it. Exactly. It- exactly. And people say mean things or people say, I had said on the show, oh, that's what uh, we're, I, they were talking about eating placentas. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> I was like, we're black. We don't do that. And, <laughs> and somebody was like, she's a racist. She's a racist. And I'm like, that wasn't a racist comment. That was a cultural comment. You know what I mean? There are differences within our culture. There are differences between you and your sister in the same house. So that was more of a cultural thing. And we don't really eat our placenta. I I know. I, I think that's kind of a, also like L.A. Like, yeah, I'm from Virginia. We don't that's eat exactly placenta. Right. Yet. That's, exactly <laughs> right. it, that's a definitely an L.A. thing. <laughs> Well, and like, I'm sure it was a white woman who said that to you, like pretty sure, like, don't think that's how racism works. Like, no, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> the, the, the chatter would, would drive me insane. And I think like, it's hard because I, I mean, you're kind of expected to engage to a degree, right? Like, do you have to live tweet or anything? Um, I, I, I retweet and I'll, I'll comment. I don't really live tweet. Well, and I feel like the fun part too is like the promotion and watch what happens live and stuff. And it kind of stinks that this quarantine is aligned with the release of it. I am so sad. I was so excited to go and watch what happens live. And then I had to do it from my own home, you know, with the one man production. I'm doing the lighting. (laughs) I'm doing my own glam. I was over it. 
Right. It's just that, and I would be very nervous if this was like live TV. I, I don't even, I, I'm not in the zone in my house to be like doing media, doing press. Right. It's exactly. a little tricky. It is a little tricky. And then making sure my kids are quiet. They're not screaming at their friends while they're playing video games, you know, all that. Right. Right. So are you, I mean, I feel like the big um, kind of prayer conversation about the the way people talk to you and get invested in your lives. It's it's. I feel like especially with the what's happening with Denise, it's kind of this thing of like it's fun until it's not. Right. And when your storyline is so is part of your family, your children. I mean, it's just I don't even know how I would navigate that. And I feel like you're you're her friend, right? Like mm-hmm. at that point, I mean, was that kind of like a surreal experience going through what I assume was like? Oh my God. Stop the train. Stop. Like make it. Oh, make it go away. Like I can't imagine. It was hard to watch her. It was hard to watch her be in so much pain, crying all the time at these dinners, these dinners. Let me tell you, first of all, I feel like I've eaten way too much on TV, (laughs) but there's always so much alcohol that I can't, I can't drink like I used to. So I have to eat in the scene, but now I know, okay, eat before you leave. But it was really hard to watch Denise um, have such a hard time, especially when it came to her kids. And um, yeah, that was really, really tough. And when she was saying, you know, bravo, 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 apparently she really believed that if she said that, that the things that she talked about wouldn't air. And that's not the truth. So it's, it's going to be a tough rest of the season to watch. It's interesting when you see when they break the fourth wall and you see moments like that, because, you know, I'm sure you like befriend this crew. You let them in your life like mm-hmm. they have a job to do, too. Right. I've heard mixed things like I was talking to somebody who's on Vanderpump Rules. They like hairsprayed the camera once. Oh, um, they did? Yeah. <laughs> or like the old joke of like, you can't um, I think this is on 30 Rock, like, y- you know, any music that you'd have to pay to sample if you say what you're going to say to like the tune of, you know, a Lady Gaga song, they can't air it. <laughs> Melody's got Oh my God. Okay. That's hilarious. That's good to know though. I didn't know that trick. Might be worth trying. <laughs> um, and well, lastly about housewives, um, I know I'm sure everybody's asking you this, but are, are you and Kyle on good terms? I haven't spoken to her. Oh, really? No, apparently we're only, she tweets a lot about what happened with us and I'm good, just going to wait till the reunion. I'll see her then. Just see how it plays out. Yeah. It, and it wasn't I, anything I, malicious. I mean, <sighs> there are bigger things in life there to are. worry about. But I also totally understood what you were saying in terms of like, it's so obvious when somebody's kind of phoning it in Yeah, and they're not reciprocating interest or they're mm-hmm. not asking you questions. And it's kind of like, I'm here, like, let's connect, like, give it a chance. And I've felt like that way before on the periphery of a friend group where it's like, I don't know. I, 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 yeah, I think, you know, the dynamic is already set on the show. And I think, um, you know, some people, their dynamics is a little bit different, you know, or maybe she's used to being like everybody catering to her. Um, so that was it, but you know, We'll there see were other arguments on. to have. Hopefully yeah, we'll see each other at the reunion. Exactly. Is it going to be a Zoom reunion? Oh, we just found out yesterday. Yeah. Shoot. Because our numbers in California are going up so high. We just found out. I'm really bummed about it. 
I I can imagine like I'm just grasping at straws. I like want something to, I, in life. You need things to look forward to. Yeah. And this situation's making that near impossible. I mean, it's been 2020, man. I would like to go to sleep and wake up in 2021. <laughs> I know. All this, this is the minus. last year. I mean, wow. Are you used to being in one place for a long period of no. time? No. What was the hell no. like? It was really <laughs> hard at first. For the first couple of weeks, I had a hard time, like, kind of like just sad and not not hopeful. And I'm usually a, you know, a pretty positive person, but what I started doing is going, you can only go one day at a time. Like, don't think about what you're going to do for the rest of the week. What are you going to do with the kids? And it was just one day at a time. Now I'm in a better place about it, but it's still tough, you know? Oh, I'm sure. single. I want to meet someone. And I'm like, well, where am I going to meet him? Either at the market or the drugstore, or he knocks on my front door. <laughs> what, right. are the, what are the chances? Right. Well, that's why yeah. you got to wear lipstick to the mailbox. Exactly. Or gown. <laughs> Do you online date ever? I tried Bumble once and people didn't believe it was me. They were like, send me your real pictures. And I'm like, uh, it's me. <laughs> They're like, you're way too hot for this app. <laughs> Something's wrong. <laughs> I went on one date with this guy. And when I met him, he's like, why are you on a dating app? He made me feel so bad. Like, <laughs> he, thinks like you're, he thinks he's making you feel good. Yeah, exactly. And it was the opposite. So well, I, was no, I just want to meet somebody there you know, old fashioned way, the old fashioned way. I was surprised Sutton met her boyfriend on match.com. Cause I just assume people that are in a certain tier, you know, famous financially or otherwise have other, another like method or another website we don't know about or something. <laughs> right. Yeah. I was surprised too, but I do have friends who have met on match and gotten married and had babies. And so it happens. I, th I think too. I don't know about you. I don't stay home much either. I, for me, it was like the dishes. <laughs> I was like, oh. my life is just strung between dishes. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly right. When my boys are with me, I feel like that's all I do. I'm a short order cook. I'm doing the dishes. I'm doing way too much laundry. I'm now saying to them, boys, you can wear your pajamas more than once. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, totally. Like, why is everything in the hamper? Like every day, there's tons of stuff. And they're changing to put on clothes and they're doing nothing. <laughs> that's so funny. I wonder if that's a guy girl thing. Cause like I will wear my jeans into the oblivion. Like before I, I never want to wash any of that. <laughs> that's so I, interesting. Yeah. I got to get them to do their own laundry. I'll bet you that'll stop them. You got to write a new book. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh... <laughs> I am cleaning up after myself. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's actually a really good idea. Yeah. Thank um, you, Kate. <laughs> just for another creative project but yeah. um i'm always so curious when people are kind of doing their press rounds oh, no. like what oh, ups do you hear something oh ups it could it be the love of your life knocking could, oh my god he's in a brown truck i don't know <laughs> yeah. um i'm always so curious like when i'm sure you were doing a lot of press a lot of podcast interviews what's like the one thing you are so insanely sick of talking about um COVID-19 and quarantine. Yeah. Quarantine, I would have to say. Yeah. Because that's such like, easy, what are you doing? I'm like, my sister will call me. And she's like, so how are you? What have you been up to? And I'm like, the same thing you've been up to. Nothing. Right. Like, and we're both going to complain <laughs> about the exactly. same situation. You're so exactly. right. Yeah. So we're all doing the same thing. I wasn't sure if, um, like, if you 
if people talk too much about the um like your ex and the letter and the affair and stuff and if that yeah. like was a frustrating thing people bring up um, i don't know how i feel about it is i guess what i'm saying if i wanted to constantly be like re yeah. you know go but it's that been a while hard part. it's been a while we're definitely in a much better place but that was the thing that scared me the most about housewives is i knew i'd have to talk about it i knew i'd had to revisit it and it was a really really painful time in my life. Yeah. And so, and I also didn't want it to ruin our dynamic now. Um, oh, yeah. we are in such a good place. And then I had to revisit it with the boys because they were so young that I was like, okay, this is going to come out on the show. Um, let's talk about it. Cause you know, your friend of yours may come up and say something or a mom. And so then I had to sort of tell them also, cause they were too young to remember. Oh, yeah, that's true. Well, and mm -hmm. I think that's the thing with anything involving your own life, your personality. It's like you're dragging other people into it. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I, yeah. I think half the time, the unspoken plot lines, the things that on Housewives, where you're like, this doesn't make sense. It's because you're missing a huge piece of information because <laughs> they're probably trying to protect somebody. Right. Exactly. And you know what I found out about Housewives? We were in Rome and after a dinner that was kind of heated, we all met up at the restaurant of the hotel and the restaurant was closed, but we said, can we just sit in there? And we were talking and all of a sudden the producers came out and they're like, if you girls are going to keep talking, we have to bring out the cameras. And I didn't realize that we're not allowed to talk without the cameras there in case something gets resolved. So I was oh. like, I did not know that. And they don't tell you these things ahead of time. So it was an interesting, like eye opening for me, like, Oh, okay. It makes sense. It makes well, sense. There's been a lot of bad cell phone footage that viewers have had to endure <laughs> as a result of people resolving things without cameras. Right, exactly. So, yeah. So that was one thing that I was surprised at. Oh, I'm sure. Oh, I didn't realize you had a Rome trip on the horizon in the season. That's fun. Mm -hmm. It's coming up. Yeah, that was really, really cool. When was that filmed? Um. Oh, I don't even know. I want to say, when did we start? August, September. So around maybe October. No, right before Thanksgiving, actually, because we came back oh. two days before Thanksgiving. You were in Italy right before it hit the fan. Oh, my God. Yes, it was. Uh, we were lucky. Yeah. We yeah. Quarantine in Italy. I don't know how bad that would be, honestly. I know. I was thinking that. I'm like, is there anywhere this would be pleasant? Like, yeah. I can't. <laughs> I can't decide. <laughs> Somewhere with a pool. Oh, yeah. Exactly. I'm in Chicago. It's I'm in a oh. box in the sky. I yeah. don't know where to go. <laughs> I get uh, it. Next quarantine. I want to be quarantined with a chef, with a cook mm -hmm. and a masseuse. Will we ever oh, yeah, massage again? <laughs> I don't know. I know. I want to massage so bad. <laughs> Same. It just doesn't seem like any. It seems like the worst possible thing a person could do. Yeah. And I just am like, are they going to be last? Because, I mean, there's no closer oh, you could get to a person. That's true. I don't know. That's going to be interesting. And who wants to be massaged with with someone that has a glove on? Gloves on. Yeah. I know. That's what I was reading. Yeah. You know, it's tough. <laughs> Not getting everything. There but, are other uh, things that are more important, but yeah. Of, no, absolutely. Um, and the uh, last thing I wanted to ask you about. Um, so this week I'm talking about kind of on the podcast, I, I just... I talk a lot about like, uh, I'm a millennial. Millennials are very harshly judged for, you know, being a bit of an entitled, spoiled, kind of lagging behind generation that doesn't have similar priorities to Gen X and boomers. But Gen X right now, a generation that your children are in, I'm sorry, Generation Z right now, your boys are in. Right. 
um, uh, they were largely mocked for like, you know, eating Tide Pods and being on TikTok and people just made fun. They make fun of what young people do. But now, especially this week, people are heralding Gen Z as this great new generation of activists, especially given the like greatest senior prank of all time, uh, using TikTok to get tickets to Trump's rally and not show up. I mean, (laughs) It's fascinating. And I and as a Gen Xer raising a Gen Z, you're a prime example of like, what do you think is different about your kids and their friends? And like, do you kind of see something in them that's different than. You know what I see? I feel like for me, I know um, growing up, I wasn't as confident. You know what I mean? Like when you're a kid, you have insecurities and not to say that Gen Z doesn't. But I feel like they know who they are a lot earlier than uh, when I did. I feel like. My mm-hmm. kids are very insecure in who they are. So are their friends. And they know so much more. Like my son, Jax, helped me set up everything that they sent me for my podcast because I would, I would still be working on it right now if it was up to <laughs> me, right? And so the other day, we were supposed to go to, to- Tokyo this uh, July because, again, Jax is obsessed with anything that has to do with Japan. So I was online yesterday and I saw that they had on Twitter, they they have this thing that this app you can get on your phone where if you're in a foreign country, you can sort of put your phone over the directions, the street directions on the street and it changes it. Mm-hmm. It translates it to English. And I thought, yes. how cool is that? So I sent it to Jack's thinking, oh, this is going to be like brownie points for me because I'm, I'm ahead of the game. Right. <laughs> and he, te- and he, he's at his dad. So he texted me back and he goes, mom, my friend Anthony went to Rome and he tried it and it didn't work. <laughs> and I was like, first of all, who are you hanging out with? Like, Jeez, Anthony. Like- <laughs> <laughs> and that's what I mean. They know so much more. They've been there. They've done that. It's just kind of like they're not faced by anything. So I think the whole TikTok buying the tickets is them saying, this is how we use our platform. This is how. And I think that was kind of cool that, uh, first of all, that they're engaged mm-hmm. in politics or what's happening in the world and that they can use what they know to move the world forward, which is what you want, right? Right. Absolutely. It's 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 an it's a fascinating way where very young people that are too young to vote right. can have tangible impact. And I just find the whole thing fascinating. And in, in, even in terms of like uh, being able to pro- like reverse program and hack the algorithms in a way that work in their favor, I'm like, these people are geniuses. It's really unbelievable. It really is. And they're the future, right? Are you on TikTok? No. But I swear, when the first time we were quarantined, everybody was doing TikTok. I was like, if I see one more TikTok dance, I'm going to lose it. It's just a bunch of people like, eh, eh, eh. Yeah. like they're just like, doing the same dance. Savage. I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. Savagely oh, go know. away. Do your kids do it? <laughs> no, thank God. <laughs> no. Oh, you're, that's that's a feat in and of itself. I feel like kids just, all they do is dance. Yeah, not yet. No, they're, they're into like, Fortnite and Brawlhalla and Minecraft and you know that kind of stuff. Uh, the stuff that I'm sure you'd love participating. In. <laughs> <laughs> I have no interest in. <laughs> but you know. <laughs> well, uh, oh my gosh, no! You're honestly the best. You're such a delight. It was so fun to Thank talk you. to you. You too. You too. I have to say, you have one of the stronger um, uh, taglines too on the show. When I. People always get so excited to hear them. And I'm, yours is actually good. 
Did you make that up? No. They ask you to submit some and you, you know, you rack your brains, you call your friends, you call your family, and then they come up with one. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. oh, come on, after all that. How many times do they make you say it? Oh, a lot. But the thing is, because we were quarantined, we had to do it at home. So my mm. son, Jax, is the only room that has carpeting because he wanted carpet in his room. So I had to kick him out. I'm like, I got to do a voiceover. Get out of the room. Well, and it's like how many different ways. It's just Can like emphasizing different words over and over. <laughs> oh, oh, no. Then they would send me notes. Andy Cohen would send me notes and saying um, he would say emphasize this word. And I'm like, really? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm getting that part. I'm That's getting right. that part. <laughs> exactly oh my gosh that's so i'm sure Fun you're times. like this is a weird job <laughs> okay Absolutely. here we are jack's like can i come back in the room i'm like no i gotta emphasize something. i love that well when will you find out about another season if you'll do one um i don't know i think supposedly they send letters in the mail or something that's what i hear the atlanta housewives do, so i'm hoping <laughs> yeah maybe it's an email now <laughs> that's pretty funny um, i have no idea if, if like you, if, if you could if, if like add somebody to the cast or like, what do you, like, what do you want to see with this show going forward? Like that you would think, I don't know, now that you've been behind the scenes. Um, what would I like to see different? I mean, I like this group. I think this group is doing great. And the numbers every week are through the roof. They're doing better they than ever. So that's really cool. So I don't know if I would change the cast, but I would, um, I don't know. I think we're going to be home a lot if we do moving forward because of the whole COVID of it all. So we'll see. I have no idea. Maybe bring a house husband, housewife's husband, like just a husband, not. Right. <laughs> well, it's so, it's so interesting, even mm -hmm. like seeing the how, you know, even Eric, like I get, he was trying to stand up for his wife, but the show is oh, like, Aaron, the whole yeah. point or Aaron, sorry. The whole point yeah. is women talking things out, sorting things out. And whenever any husband tries to be like, this is ridiculous. Just right. stop talking about it. It's like, this is not how the show works. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Do you know the show? <laughs> Have you seen the show? Yeah, that's really tricky. But the whole thing with Aaron and I, it's, it's a hard thing. It's like, is he defending his wife and that's chivalrous? Mm -hmm. Or should he stay out of it because it is about the women? So that's a tricky thing. But I think he was just trying to help Denise because she was having a hard time. Well, I'd imagine, too, if you start dating somebody that would like, you know, I'm sure they'd want you to film and that would be a bit of an uncomfortable conversation and dynamic to put into things. And I don't know. I can't imagine doing that with my husband. Yeah, that's why I'm glad that I'm single and doing it and not married and doing it, because I think reality hurts relationships sometimes. But I did date on this on this season a little bit. So people will see that. Oh, fun. Yeah. I can't wait to see. <laughs> wait, so is there any. Um, like what's next? Are there any projects or things you're working on that we, what do you want to tell people about that we didn't cover? Um, no, not as yet. Cause I'm waiting for things to, you know, sort of see how things go on with production now that they're moving forward, you know, but I don't know how that's going to work in terms of acting, but definitely right. my podcast going to bed with Garcelle is really, um, it's a really fun time. So I hope people can tune in. When does it come out? Is it uh, weekly? It drops out we yeah, weekly Wednesday nights at midnight. So Thursdays on on anywhere you listen to podcasts. And you have really fun guests on too. I do. I've had the Bella Twins recently. I've had um Heather Dubro. And like I said, I do a celebrity and I do a friend. Yeah. Um, so it's been really fun. I had Lauren and Cameron from the show Love is Blind. Do you believe that you could meet your person in a in a podcast? <laughs> 
in a pod and you never saw them until you were engaged. And they're so cute and they really so work. They really work. How about that? Right. And I, when I was watching the show, I was like, I don't know, because Cameron was a little awkward. But that's the thing is like that's you, you You can't judge chemistry based off of that. Like, no. And they have it. It's really it's really interesting. Did you talk to them in person or was that over Zoom? Over Zoom. Over Zoom. Oh, because you started really this fun. in May, right? Yeah, I started this um, during quarantine. Oh, okay. Yeah, but we it's do so like good. you. I can see them and they can see me. Right, right. Yeah. It's so much more fun to like drink wine and hang out with people in person, even though it's not always realistic. 1,000%. <laughs> exactly. One day. It's so fun. One day. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, you're awesome, Garcelle. Thank you for your time. I hope of you weren't too, too sleepy. You were up, as upbeat as no, ever. Actually, I would have never known. It helped me. Thank you. Otherwise, I would have been sleeping already. <laughs> oh, good. I'm so glad. Thank well, you, I can't Kate. wait to see the rest of the season. You're a delight. And yeah, where can people find you, by the way? Um, Gar- at Garcelle on Instagram and at Garcelle B on Twitter. Amazing. Love Thank it. You. All right. Bye. Bye. Take care. You too. Oh my gosh. I was so intimidated by her brains and beauty and pre- presence and like, oh God, I loved her. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed that interview. I don't know. I'm just so impressed by her and I had a great time. Um, I thought, yeah, well, I feel like we actually covered more housewives than I even remembered we did. Hope that was okay with her. It's all roads lead back to, uh, Denise Richards, what are you going to do? I, here's the thing, Denise, like she just, you need to get out of it or get into it. And she's just at that halfway point where she's trying to like cover stuff up. And it's just, it doesn't work like that. You have to commit wholly or not at all. And if your spouse isn't on board, it's just like going to cause a huge rift. And I want good things for her. I don't want anybody to be like publicly humiliated against their will. But like, I don't really also know what she, like, I, I, I guess she didn't watch the show as we found out with the late shorts of it all. What are you going to do, guys? Um, but make sure you watch Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. It was on last night, Wednesday night. From come on, It was back from its uh, hiatus. Excited to see more of Garcelle going forward. And, oh, well, I'm not ending the episode. Actually, I wanted to talk about... Um, and this also might be out of order because some of this I talked about earlier. And I just, like, moved it from the front because I was worried that people... That we're just here for Garcelle. We're going to be like, why are you talking about Lil Huddy and Nessa? But now you can just drop off having already gotten the, <laughs> the scoop. Anyways, I'll probably just re-explain it. I kind of want to do a TikTok, uh, like a like a Patreon where I just kind of unabashedly break down the drama and like a, in a format I'm not embarrassed by. Because let's be honest, I know all I know all the ins and outs, the who's who. <laughs> I'm not proud, uh, but I also have nothing to do with the knowledge if it's not shared. Okay, so I have to shout out another sponsor this week that I'm obsessed with. Um, so it's called Gigi's Flare Emporium. It is a Minneapolis-based business, and it is, it's so cute. They, she makes pins, patches, shirts, designed and created by Gigi herself, the namesake of the business. And the uh, person who submitted this for this ad spot this is a direct quote when I say she says she's an icon of a human being and a pop culture queen and I am therefore vicariously obsessed with her she has three brands in one under this the umbrella of Gigi's Flare Emporium Cherry Moon Press Cherry Moon Press which is Prince related flair you know the Minnesota of it all of course Um, Minnesota pins specifically about pop culture and Black Lives Matter and uh, Home of the Revolution merch so if it's a pop culture meme, Gigi's made it into a pin. Um, 
like anything what i'm obsessed with is like the hyper specific picking up on things that like if you know you know and they're like notable once you see the pin but it's not like your average fairweather fan is going to put something iconic like you know pam from the office saying she felt god in this chilies on a pin you know ew david it's a pin it's a gay bar pamela it's a pin um she has incredible pronouns pins ones that say she slash her slash that bitch the pin that cemented her as the queen i was told she is and now know she is uh was when i read a little pin with a statement that is <laughs> perfection <laughs> and it says lord give me the confidence of a mediocre white man god bless um but beyond the humor there's meaningful stuff there's empowering stuff there's inclusive stuff um she she acknowledges through her work the multitudes that exist within all of us and that's what's important right we love we love range here anyway i just i uh so appreciate the humor the range the clever uh the, the clever incorporation of popular shows but niche lines from the shows that super fans would love she designs everything in her apartment in Minneapolis. She shops it all off herself. She's a one-woman show with those three brands I said earlier. So much cute stuff. You guys like need this flair. I mean, it's actual flair. These these are these are pins, and I'm obsessed. And I, I'm hoping that I can get her to make one for me. I need to figure out what I wanted to say though. Let me know if you have any thoughts. Um, but you have to follow her. Please, please, please follow her Instagram at underscore omgg underscore and at gg's flair emporium because she just started making really cool resin trays. And she does flash sales on her stories. And honestly, you'll you'll be inspired by the pop culture queen herself, Gigi. So please support her. Support Cherry Moon Press, Minnesota Pins, Black Lives Matter, Home of the Revolution merch. And go to ggsflareemporium.com. You can also go to the minnesotapins.com. All of the sites kind of link to the different subsidiaries and just like have a blast looking around. I I love a handmade business. I love an original business. I love a pop culture infused business. Oh my gosh. I'm like I'm lucky that I even get to to talk about these uh incredible people. Um <clears throat> what were we talking about? Ah yes. On to profound things to TikTok, the hype house. I wonder if Gigi has TikTok theme pins. Hmm. I think she, maybe I want one that says like the volume inside this bus is astronomical, or like my new claim to fame that it was a cultural reset to the most generic audio of all time, but of course, you know. Oh, God, no, not my business, not any of my personal hobbies, interests or humor. Like, yeah, no, all of those TikToks fail miserably. But the one where I point from Stephanie and DJ's room in Full House in like the 80s, early 90s to when Vicky, you know, Larson's mom made it over, you know, with the interior pastel Pantone glory of the early 90s that only a Mr. Bear could pull off. Uh, when I did a TikTok about the Full House bedrooms, that is, of course, what... <laughs> It's the only thing that stuck. And that is why I love TikTok. Um, but anyway, I think I was just saying, uh, we, we don't even know if TikTok's going to exist over the, like, you know, in two days. So we'll see how the drama plays out. I'll uh, address it on Patreon accordingly. I want to start doing more like fun short form episodes like that of like specific drama because I think that's like fun and I don't have to overthink it. And sometimes I feel like I have too many disjointed things I want to say. Like this is an episode about Garcelle and the Housewives. But here I am, you know, making it all uh cluttered with <laughs> the hype house and unsolved mysteries but these are the things i'm thinking about this week but yeah basically there's you know the two major content or two of the major content houses for tiktok the hype house and the sway house sway house is all boys they're kind of like e-boys people that had fame from like musically and vine 
one of them is like Bryce Hall, who dates Addison Ray or is allegedly dating Addison Ray. Also, people think she's missing. I think people are forgetting she was like recently starting to get called out for like liking racist tweets. There was one weird Instagram live where she like jokingly told somebody to say the N word. There's just a few weird things. I honestly don't think anything's going on other than like she's just wanting to dip out and scrub her Internet history. You know, like she's a teenager from Louisiana. I don't like who's who the hell knows. Um, I mean, I wish people wouldn't go fully dark. I get the temptation. But I think her and Charlie are two of the most famous women in the world to that age group. And it's good to be an example of a person who's like, I messed up, who owns it, who acknowledges it, who commits to doing better, who actually does better um, and holds themselves publicly accountable for it. I, I think Charlie's handled so many things like such a class act. And I've been really impressed by her. Um, but yeah, Addison Ray isn't missing. I think Addison Ray is like hiding and like scrubbing her internet history. And she just like moved into a mansion. I am pretty sure. Cause I haven't, you know, seen that beloved, uh, handsome ceiling fan of hers in weeks. Uh, anyway, yeah, there's the sway house of guys, the hype house that's guys and girls, Charlie and Dixie D'Amelio and Addison Ray aren't even really part of the business side anymore, but they're all still friends. They've added a bunch of girls to the hype house, many of which are or were girlfriends of the guys in the sway house um long story short one of the guys in the sway house used to date this other tiktok star named nessa who made out with charlie's ex little huddy chase hudson um recently while they were both single but also that's following um earlier this year or maybe it was last year like bryce and hall and josh richards from the Sway House wrote like a diss track called Still Like Softish about Lil Huddy because I guess he like tried to take Nessa, Josh's girlfriend, to a hotel room at one point. So there's already this kind of weird hype house, Sway House like rift, even though everyone's still kind of friends and has been hanging out a lot again. And it just seems like a lot of COVID spreading that I'm not happy with. Um, but that's the joke is they're, you know, they're both single. And uh, I don't know why everybody was so mad, but Charlie stood up for herself on Twitter Chase went off and posted a note about all the people that cheated on all the people, including uh, Griffin, Dixie D'Amelio's boyfriend. Anyway, guys, I'll stop talking there. I'll, I'll, I'm going to go over this on Patreon. Maybe I'll draw a diagram on my iPad. Uh, it's, it's one of those things where it's so mindless. It's so innocuous. It's so utterly unimportant. And it's borderline mind numbing. That is all. I, it's, it's exactly what I want in this life. Like right now, I just want to like, it's so high school that it's almost refreshing. And even Charlie got on and cried. And at first I was kind of like, they're just trying to, I feel like they were trying to draw up hype because a lot of the people mentioned in like Chase's note and stuff were new members of the hype house, like girls that had got cheated on and whatever. And, uh, but watching Charlie on live, like cry and say, how like, she'll always have feelings for Chase and they're not right for each other. And she feels bad that she, you know, her Twitter fingers got the best for her. I'm like, the girlfriend's not an actress, you know, like, I want to believe these things are all contrived. And I'm, my mind immediately goes there to like, what could this mean? And I do think there's an element of that that happens. The whole point of the hype house is to collaborate, to to garner hype, to garner clout, to work off of each other's audiences so you can gain your own incremental audience. And with the nucleus of TikTok being repetition with the goal being not creating new content, but just constantly remixing it, you can batch content like it's nobody's business. Um, and, you know, apparently we're at risk in the U.S. of it being taken away, which to my knowledge, no app in the U.S. has ever been taken away. I don't know if that'll happen. Um, if so, what a huge opportunity for another social network to do something comparable, because it really is a joyful corner of the Internet. And I'm very aware of the data privacy issues that we and we've talked about them 
um, they're, they're a big deal if you're a military contractor personnel have any adjacency to intelligence data or in general or a person in a career whose location based and biometric data is of value to, a, a, you know, a, a communist nation. My God, like, obviously, it's serious. My research just tells me to your average civilian, it's not as big of a threat as the media plays it out to be. But it, it, if it's taken away, it will be a loss. And I'm interested to see if like that's ever going to be a realistic thing. Um, I guess for me, it's like, yeah, I find it entertaining because it's entertainment more than self-promotion like an Instagram. But beyond that, I really um, it's made me more creative. It just is, you know, like with like shorter form type stuff, which obviously you guys know I struggle with. So we shall see. That's what's new around these parts. Um, if you didn't get if you were going to the Boston show surrounding Loverfest. I have to wait for these venues to make calls like these venues are like losing so much money left and right. So it's not always my choice. And I am like always pretty sure we're going to reschedule. And honestly, even if given the option, I'd prioritize your safety and would still try to reschedule. But it's just funny. They always blame it on me. Like Miss Kennedy has requested to move the date. I'm like, well, yeah, but also like the city of Boston is allowing like parties over 10. Like, what do you want me to do? Anyways, you should have gotten an email from Laugh Boston. The show is indefinitely postponed. I'll get a date when I can. We just don't know what's going to happen. Um, so you can hang on to your tickets because they were sold out. Um, or you can get a refund because uh, I don't I never want to like hold on to your money while you're waiting. I don't think that's fair at all. So I'm 99 percent sure that's like with Atlanta, too. I don't see that happening. Um, I just don't think we're at a place where we can have groups yet. And even they they offered like you know minimum capacity doing multiple shows. It just it, the vibe sounds awful. We wouldn't get to do meet and greets. I just want to like do it right and wait till we can actually meet and interact. And it's like torture. But um, yeah, if you ever have any questions, you can always email Courtney at be there in five dot com. She's much more responsive than me. Um, just because things get a bit buried on my end of things. But um, yeah, so just if if you have any tickets for upcoming shows contact the venues they should be able to do whatever you need and if not let us know uh beyond that what have i been doing i'm very into the stock market now that's like so random i just needed another hobby um and my husband's in finance and he like knows everything about finance and he's very like smart and numbers driven and i'm very not but i know a lot about culture so we're almost like competing with small amounts sums of money mind you i'm not like dave portnoy draw, draw you know drawing out of a cookie jar over here but um it's kind of entertaining just because i'm trying to see if like i kind of know what's going on trend wise acquisition wise it's such nominal amounts of money i just look for like green or red and i'm like hell yeah uh, i'll let you know if and when i hit it big well you'll probably know because i'll finally go on the b- below deck charter um the second year in the in a row they've emailed me asking to if i want to go on a charter that'll be like filmed for below deck mediterranean it's like uh, i think it's like 35 or 40 grand split by eight people which it's not like fu money you know it's like fancy vacation money but it's like three nights i don't know it's kind of like it's just it's still for like a couple for greg and i just dropped 12 grand on a three night filmed yacht trip where we'd be like highly paranoid the whole time how we came across and how i'd probably just like drink too many spritzes and complain about you know the inflatable slide not being out and be like jun jun hana and you know among other things hitting on the chef getting drunk in the galley um making sure that i am wearing merch at all times so people at least will listen to my podcast as a result i think that i'd be 
I don't think this would behoove my career. I honestly want the nice vacation. I don't really care about the filming part, but I do kind of want to get, you know, see behind the scenes under the hood. Uh, meet Captain Sandy. Uh, but needless to say, I don't have that kind of money to burn. Uh, and if I did, I don't know if that's where I'd spend it. You know, I think that's kind of a weird income threshold where if you're like willing to spend that kind of money just casually, you're probably not really, you're, you know, you're going to like maybe spend it on something else that goes a little farther or like, I don't know, isn't filmed to humiliate you on national TV. Because half the time, the people that look the worst are the, pri are the primary in co, you know. Um, but anyway, or like, can you imagine, remember Mila, the first chef last year that like lied about her credentials and just made like microwave nachos? <laughs> that was hilarious. <laughs> she microwaved a steak. Do you think they do that in New York Strip? Oh, I bet. God. <sighs> dark times all that to say if anybody wants to be on below deck like reach out and i'll put you in touch with the casting i think they need people i just don't think anybody's like in this time in life where you want to like roll the dice on an expensive vacation in, like september when like none of us are working we're all suffering we like are worried the world's ending half the time then i get on tiktok and there's like people that are just talking about like the book of revelations and now these weird dudes are having prophecies and the things they see for september and i'm just like cool cool and i'm ordering a full hibachi lunch as a result it's just like been a weird time for me and i assume all of us but hey i'm still here you're still here i'm so lucky to have you thank you for letting me meander through nonsense as always oh i didn't talk about unsolved mysteries does anybody care did you guys watch the reboot it was so good it's, it's the reboot we need unlike a lot of other reboots we don't need unsolved mysteries makes so much sense for this climate we're in like in the, this show's function in the 90s was for people to submit tips because I think like cases from small municipalities, you know, small court systems that like were maybe mishandled or kind of dropped or whatever. People were would submit tips and like they'd actually get solved and you'd see it at the end of the episode. And that was like thrilling, um, even though, again, Robert's not stack haunted my dreams to the level that the the creaky swings did on the Are You Afraid of the Dark intro with the you know the creaky swings the leaf the weird like clown punching bag and um you know the, that crackling fire this chapter of the midnight society closed with the fire powder i mean god i can i can smell it i can feel it i can taste it i can see the horror of that dude that would paint the letter q on a wall and like pass through dimensions what a crazy show that was i think they rebooted that too we don't need the reboots uh but people all people want is to be an internet sleuth Look at Don't F with Cats. Um, that entire the entire premise of that documentary was like people caught this guy that was a criminal, like on Reddit, right? Or like 4chan or something. I don't know. I didn't watch. I was too worried I'd see a cat getting hurt or something and it would upset me. Um, but you actually they want your tips and they want your help and they want you sleuthing. And like everybody wants to think they're an internet sleuth. So there's like a whole Google Drive doc of the case files. It's crazy. But anyway, I guess my top line hot takes as it relates to the there's only like what, four or five episodes, definitely worth your time. At the very least, the title track is nostalgic, if not horrifying. My hot takes. Ray's colleagues did it. They were at lunch. They were like, we went up on the roof to like see if he was around. They spot this weird random hole in a low roof. His phone and glasses aren't broken. His flip-flops are intact and strewn about on the roof. He is, but he has like shin breaks. It's like he got hit by a car and was put through that hole. Sorry, this is like a bleak start to the episode. I never talk about true crime, but... Clearly, I have engaged over the past week more so than I usually do. Um, so, yeah, Ray's colleagues are guilty. How in, like, life, I, my biggest fear is being, like, wrongly accused of a crime I didn't commit or, like, being brought in for questioning and I'd be uh, awkward. Um, 
when people like even watching Gone Girl when they were like Ben Affleck's character didn't was acting so weird in front of the press and like wasn't emotive. I think about that all the time of like I'm uncomfortable when I'm uncomfortable. And if I was like sad in mourning and or I wasn't like, you know, how when you even if you're a person that's scared to get in trouble, even if you're totally innocent you're like still worried you're going to get in trouble. And so you like act weird, even though you have absolutely nothing to hide. Does that happen to anybody else? <laughs> it's just like when I got sent to the, remember the episode, uh, Tattoo, Good to Be True, when in elementary school, somebody told me on the playground that they were a lesbian. And then I told other people, but I didn't know that there was like any sort of stigma with that word. I was like, cool. Like I, I was very, it was young, young, like I, I first or second grade or something. And my friend who was responsible for spreading this alleged rumor with me was at my Nashville show. We talked about this at length because they did they reverse telephoned in the principal's office, called everyone in and demanded they tell them who told them till it got back to me and her. And we were like, but she told us. And they were like, yeah, but that's wrong to say. And, I, and looking back, I'm like, why was it wrong? That's so interesting that like before I even knew to have a stigma around that. I was told by the principal it was wrong to call somebody that, even though the person told me that. And even though they are married to a woman today, you know, like people, some people know from a young age. And I just, I don't know, I think back about this all the time. But, and I guess in that case, I was guilty. But I think back to situations where I was like being questioned. And even if I did nothing, I'd act very weird. Um, Sorry, wow, tangent. But needless to say... <laughs> The what I'm not understanding is like, okay, a guy dies suspiciously. The medical examiner does not rule it, you know, officially that he would have killed himself. The people that spot the hole and call it in to like check to see if he's the one that fell through the roof or his coworkers that like went there on their lunch hour. Meanwhile, the coworkers and the, the, the friend that owns Stansbury and Associates or whatever, they're they're under a gag order. They're refusing to cooperate or talk to the authorities. How is that not implied guilt? Like, can you just do that? Be like, sorry, I'm not talking. And then you're like free. I thought you had, there was an I thought like you were supposed to cooperate. And even if you didn't want to, there were some cases where you were like brought into questioning or custody as a suspect. The whole thing's really strange to me. Um, but all that to say, I just think about all the time, like, what if I was accidentally entangled with something I didn't do? And then I got brought in for questioning and I acted weird and then I looked guilty, you know. But if you can just be like, sorry, gag order, then like, I don't know. I really felt bad for her. But also the note taped onto the wall. Go to Reddit. Somebody scribed the whole thing. Some people are like, no, I'm a screenplay writer. It's a stream. It's like a normal stream of consciousness. It's going to seem weird to an outside person. I agree with that to an extent because I have a lot of notes like that where I'm like testing out concepts, tone, framing things, and they're, they don't make any sense together. But I don't print them and I don't tape them to my, you know what I mean? It's like, that was intended to be found. Um, and it seemed like it was written in code and the Freemason connection. And like, I don't know, guys. And then people on Reddit are like, well, the exact plot of the game was kind of like lived out. Uh, but she seemed very uh she seemed very intent on not entertaining the mental health aspect. And, you know, I maybe in order to agree to like be on the show and to share your story, they, you know, the, the loved ones get to kind of demand a level of bias because, 
you know, she's just like, he is not a person that would jump off a roof, blah, blah. And I totally, totally understand that. Um, but you, you just never know. And I feel like a lot of times these things aren't expected and people do suffer in silence and you just, it's, you've no idea what was going on. He was acting weird the, you know, past two nights when the alarm went off and he like frantically looked around with a bat, you know, there, there was a element of the letter that either it was like a creative writing disjointed ideas or like a level of psychosis almost, you know, but she wasn't entertaining that piece at all. So some people on the internet are like, I don't know. I think it's like, the people are seeing what they want to see and not realizing that sometimes like you don't really know what people are going through. Um, but in the event I suspected foul play and that was somebody I knew and loved, I, how would you rest? You'd go crazy. How would you not go crazy that his close friend and, and boss won't talk? It's so strange. And like he was involved in like stock tip newsletters. I don't know, guys. Sorry. I did not mean to talk about this for this long. Um, but we have a shorter interview today. So figured we get caught up beyond that the the hairdresser i mean like that her husband her husband killed her like i mean he's insane he, he cradled her skull he, he cuddled with her ashes he's a monster like he who talks about their their late relative in with the terminology the last time i saw them intact he went to like the coroner or whatever and had them like assemble i was just what the, truly like beyond understanding he seems like the guiltiest of the guilty. And I just am confused because I guess these cases to me don't the, you know, whatever heuristics I'm using to draw easy conclusions. Like I know I don't know everything. I literally watch no crime. So it's almost laughable for me to be like, these are really solvable. Why aren't these called solved mysteries? Uh, easier said than done, but that guy was insane and alarming. And I feel for pistol. Um, and then French subtitles took me like it took me like 14 watches to like actually pay attention. Once I did, I was like, this is messed up. That guy's definitely alive somewhere. Um, and then I, I'm so upset about Alonzo. The notion of like a high school party hate crime, like like I mean, hate crimes, period. Obviously, like what we're dealing with in the world now, it's like, I don't know. It's like the naive part of me is just like, there's not how are there people that are that hateful? How can you just be like innocently at a high school party? It's like. It's incomprehensible. It's unconscionable. It makes you sick to your stomach. His poor mother. Uh, I, I was some of the friends I believed. The one that got lost for thirty minutes after we went to go buy cigarettes. I was like, I don't really buy your story. Um, apparently, there's a lot of tips that have come in about Alonzo. I hope his family seeks, you know, if, if any to get any justice of any kind. It's like at that point, it's when you've lost the most important thing. I don't know what makes you feel any better other than knowing that. A person wouldn't, you know, you, you'd catch them so they couldn't do that to somebody else's family. Um, but I guess I should wrap it up, guys. Uh, I want to finish out the um, Black-owned businesses we talked about. So, I went through three earlier, right? Yeah. So this next one is called Rachel Bakes, RVA. I believe she made a cake or was tagged by one Jojo Siwa. And somebody said that on the forum, and I'm trying to find it right now, but my computer's being slow, and I don't know, it's pretty damn exciting. I think I, I think I told you guys, like, I'm kind of um, converted in Team JoJo. I just, like, think she's living her truth, and, like, that's what I want to be supporting in, in, you know, women that young women look up to. It's like, I don't care what you're doing. If, if it's unapologetic, if it's you, it's not hurting anybody. If it's, like, in pursuit of 
individualism, like that's great. Who am I to say I'm too worried about your, you know, your hairline because of the tight side pony, you know, like I love a glitter bomber jacket. Okay, sorry, that was stalling while my computer loaded. So Rachel Bakes are they, is a cake company that makes beautiful, creative custom cakes in the Virginia Beach area. I grew up going there every summer. Um, her Instagram is at Rachel Bakes and the, um, Jojo Siwa cake she recently made, you can see on her Instagram. So I was not mistaken. I was like, that's going to be uncomfortable if I did not get that right. Um, but she is so incredibly talented. She has a special love for wedding cakes and being part of a, a couple special day. And, um, the detail she puts into the design and decoration is quite incredible. You have, go to rachelbakesva.com and look at it. She's a home-based bakery, which allows her to kind of put her own personal touch on every order that goes out the door. And she loves to meet her clients and get their story and wedding details to create a cake that fits their dreams. And, um, you know, cakes, it's a big deal at a wedding. I didn't get to choose mine because it came with the venue and it like wasn't like, a you know, it was was fine. But I I wouldn't have um, certainly wouldn't have minded one of Rachel's masterpieces. She's so incredibly talented. So go to rachelbakesva.com especially if you're in Virginia Beach, check her out on Instagram regardless. Thank you for submitting. Um, the next one I've, I've heard of, it's Mitchell Black. I believe he makes wallpaper. So this is submitted from a, I think just like a fan of the brand who said it's an amazing wallpaper, wall art, textiles, floor mat, wall tile, and candle company. The wallpaper is peel and stick. Oh, that's amazing. So all you have to do is add some water to the back and stick. It comes in so many fun patterns that people actually want. I hear that. Um, I'm on the website. Oh, my gosh. This is so cute. You know how people that, like, have money call up? I don't know if it's have money. I don't know if it's Southern. It's kind of like, I know supper and dinner are separate meals, but people, some people use them interchangeably. I kind of feel the same way about powder room, bathroom. (laughs) Uh, I just feel like it's always wealthy people that tell me where the powder room is, and I just would never call my half bath a powder room but if i had some epic like black background floral gorgeous peel and stick wallpaper my god i i would just sit in there and powder my nose all the live long i assume that's what that means this is such beautiful stuff oh my god i'm obsessed anyway go to mitchellblack.com i believe it's at mitchell black on instagram i'm having a little bit of computer trouble but as always i will post these these will be these are on my website if you go to be there in five.com and underneath podcast, it says like podcast feed, then sponsors and codes. You can see all the sponsors and the black owned businesses we feature just as, you know, it might take me a couple of days to uh, get everything caught up with the website, but I'm trying to be better about that. Um, you know what? Let's do one more because I'm just obsessed with these soap distillery cocktail themed soaps. This is so fun. So soapdistillery.com. We take sustainability sustainability series here. So you'll find the most products that I produce are plastic free. Our soap boxes are biodegradable and we do not use essential oils that are unsustainable to produce um, their soap. So think sandalwood, Palo Santo, et cetera, along with donating to local organizations like Broadway Youth Center every year. They make sure that fun products like theirs are serve an important purpose and a positive message to their fans and beyond. Um, and this person's just a huge fan of their podcast and wants to, oh, it's a Chicago based business owned by an inspiring black woman. Oh my God. That's so cool. Thank you for nominating. I, it, it's all, all the better when it's a local business to me that I can support too. Um, so go to soapdistillery.com. I am looking at all the raw cane, like body scrubs, the Himalayan pink salt body scrub. It would be hard for me not to rim my margarita glass of that. I love salt so much. 
I have a problem. <laughs> um, but it's cool because like they have like soap that is uh vanilla wood spice. It like looks like an old fashioned beer and cigarettes, bourbon, mint mojito, limoncello, tequila shot. This is so cute. And it's kind of like gender neutral in terms of like my husband. I don't know if he'd like be thrilled about like a, a you know, lush bath bomb, but he would not hate a, uh, you know, a, a bar of soap that smells like Lagavulin. You know, I love this. This is so creative. This is really cool. So go to soapdistillery.com. It's founded by Daniel Martin. She was inspired by a lack of diversity between scented soaps found at her local health food stores and decided to take matters into her own hands. I love creative people. And then if I can find Instagrams or people listed them, I will. Yeah, at Soap Distillery. Okie doke, guys. I will end there. Go to patreon.com slash be there and five for the PowerPoint party for the Hamilton deep dives, like four more hours of Hamilton content where I like play the songs and do all the things because we can behind a paywall. I'm going to talk more about Hype House. I'm going to post the video, uh, at least parts, clips of the video of the Garcelle interview if you want to like watch it live action. Among other fun things, I hope you uh, will consider supporting. If not, just a rate and review is such such a nice thing to do. Makes a huge difference. That's how iTunes charts, actually. Um, it's not downloads. It's like new subscribers and new reviews. So if you're like an older podcast, sometimes it plateaus a bit. Um, so if you like the podcast, I want to leave it five stars, even if you don't have time to write a comment like that just it means the world. And um if you want to share on your stories, that'd be so cool too. As always, if you're private, just let me know that you tagged me. It, I uh, I don't know. That's like the best way to spread the word. And it means a lot. So thanks to all of you who are always being so generous with your uh, social media real estate. It does not go unnoticed. Anyway, guys, I hope you have the best week ever. I wanted to play We Didn't Start the Fire just to honor my rendition about the New York Strip Club. Um, but when I was listening back to this, I was like, damn, I mean obviously this is an iconic billy joel song but I, he names just five thousand pop culture things in like a short period of time and i just feel like it's very the, the vibe of my podcast i'm just like tick tock power rangers unsolved mysteries naya rivera charlie d'amelio little huddy hype house versus sway garcelle on real housewives steak eating strip club deep dive don't need weakest link at all put your foot on the hot dog shaped pedal we i'm way too satisfied with myself i gotta go i love you thank you for everything thank you for putting up with me as always let me know your thoughts and i'll let you know mine i'll be there in five i swear